just uh, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question this morning. You see, I know what happens a lot of times. We show up on Sunday morning and we come to church because it's the thing to do. We show up, we hear some good music, we hear some preaching, and then we go about our day. And by the time we're done with lunch, we've moved on to our week and looking ahead. And so often we come to church and we lack the expectation and anticipation that God is here and that God would want to work. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. As you sit in the pew before you right now, are you expecting that God is going to work today? Are you expecting that God would want to speak into your heart? Have you come with a holy anticipation of what God may do in your life? You say, well, I've been a Christian for a long time. I mean, God, what does he want to do with me? I want you to understand, God is constantly working. He wants to move in your life, right? We're not ready. We're not done yet. We're still in process. And so no matter how long you've been a Christian, or maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but I want you to know that God wants to speak to your heart today, and God wants you to leave this place this morning different than when you walked in. And so here's what I want us to do. With heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody's looking around, just you and the Lord right there where you are. I just want you to take a minute and say, Lord, would you give me an expectation today of what you might want to say to me? And Lord, would you help me to hear it and receive it and to respond in the way that you would desire? Lord, I believe I want to hear you. Would you speak to me and move in my heart today? Just take just a minute and pray that prayer for your life this morning. Father, as we come before you today, it is our great hope and desire that you would move among us in a powerful way. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room that, God, as they worship this morning and now as we come to hear from your word, I pray that, Lord, you would do something that only you can do today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move through this place in great power. I pray that you would take these words and bring them to bear on every heart, every life that's represented in this room. And wherever we are today, God, would you bring us further? Would you bring us closer to you? God, would you work in our hearts today in such a way that we would be more like you when we leave this place than when we walked in? And Father, I pray for any person here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. Would you just penetrate their heart in a major way today? And God, would you draw them to yourself, illuminate the, your, their spirit, their heart by your Holy Spirit and help them to see the need that they have. And today would be a day of salvation. And so, Father, I just pray that whatever you want to do in this place, however you want to work, that you would have the freedom to do that and that you would accomplish that work for your glory and your honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, I want to ask you this morning to turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 and 38. Moms, we want to say happy Mother's Day to all of our moms today. It is great to see you. Wonderful to see these little first graders up here and the excitement that they had in getting their word. 
Awesome to see the spirit sound waves working it back here and doing those bells. Guys, great job. And uh, what an honor it is for me to be here, to be a part of your worship. And I want y'all to thank my wife and the mother of my three children for allowing me to come today and be in LaGrange and uh, not there. She was going to see her mom, so I think everything worked out all right. But I am delighted that you're here. I'm delighted to be here. This is a very significant day for me personally because this is the first Mother's Day that my mother has not been on this earth. Uh, For 49 and a half years, she was here. She was there every year. She was a part of my life. She was pouring into my life. And just over 11 months ago, she passed on to be with the Lord. And things are a little different, you might uh, say. Things are different. Many of you know that feeling, that first time that you don't have your mom on a significant day like Mother's Day where you remember them and think about the influence that they had in your life. But here's what I do know. And I'm thankful for, and I celebrate today that my mom is with the Lord today, and that she is celebrating in heaven this morning. And what an honor, I would say, and privilege it is for me this morning to preach this particular message on Mother's Day, because I believe that this message is a legacy to the life that my mother lived while she was here, and the influence that she had in my life and hundreds of other people's lives as she lived for the Lord Jesus on this earth day in and day out for those 78 years that she was here. And I want to talk to us this morning, and the reason I feel like it's a legacy to my mother is because I want to talk to us this morning about having a heart like Jesus. Having a heart like Jesus. What I know about my mother is this. After seeing it on display for all the years of my life, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, not that she was just that she was a Christian, but man, she had a heart like Jesus. She lived for Jesus day in and day out. She exemplified Jesus day in and day out, and she gave her life to living for his purposes and his plans every day of her life. And I'm thankful for a wonderful mother today uh, that lived that life in front of me. And I want to challenge us today that as we look at this passage of Scripture, as we learn together today, that we would be challenged, that we would be encouraged, that we would be moved ourselves to leave this place desiring and committing ourselves to develop a heart like Jesus for ourselves. That all of us in this church today, what would happen if every single one of us left this room with a great desire to have a heart like Jesus and a willingness to say, Jesus, whatever it takes to give me a heart like yours, I want you to do it in my life. We want to have a heart like Jesus. When we look at Jesus' life and ministry, when we hear about his death and resurrection all throughout the pages of the Gospels, and we see how he lived day in and day out in his earthly ministry, we know the heart that Jesus had. The pages of Scripture reveal his heart to us. You see, Jesus had a heart for the world. You see, he had a heart for all people. He came into this world to save the world, right? But you know what else that was curious and wonderful about Jesus? He was concerned about the individual. As he went from town to town and city to city, he saw the compassion and the heart that he had for others and the love that he had for everyone that he came in contact with. You see, Jesus had a heart to seek and to save those who are lost. We see that in Luke 19, 19. 
It's a heart that he has called his followers, all of us who call Jesus our Lord and Savior. It's the same heart that he's called all of us to have. You see, Jesus, when he saves us, he takes out our old heart of stone and he gives us a new heart, a heart that is his, a heart that is to live out his purposes and his plans in this world. And so what does it look like? What does it mean for us to have a heart like Jesus? I want us to look at a particular passage in Matthew chapter 9 this morning. It's a great passage, one of my favorite passages in all of God's Word. And in Matthew chapter 9, starting in really in verse 36, if you have your Bible, you can follow it along on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But it says this, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And notice what he was doing. He was preaching, but he was also healing every disease and every affliction. And then look at verse 36. This is awesome right here. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So as we look at this passage this morning, what I would like for us to do is to draw out from Jesus' heart, from Jesus' life, five things, five traits that are important that if I'm going to have a heart like Jesus and if you're going to have a heart like Jesus, these are five things that should be true about us, five things that I would say we should seek out from the Lord to say, Lord, would you make my heart like this? Would you allow this to be true in my life. As I live and as I go about my days from day to day and whether I work or if I go to school or as I'm going to the ballpark with my children or grandchildren, Lord, I want this to be the heart that I have and I want these traits to be true of me. Jesus, I want to look like you. You know, that's really what God is trying to do in your life, right? From the time that you get saved, what he's actually doing is he's trying to cut away everything in your life that doesn't look like Jesus. See, that's the goal. Sanctification is the 10-cent word for that, where Jesus is making us look more and more like him as we live in this Christian life. Now, none of us will be perfect on this side of eternity. None of us will get to the end of this life and say, man, I got here perfect. No, we won't be perfected. We won't be glorified until we get to heaven. But we are to be sanctified more and more. And the battle to be a heart like Jesus is a battle to look more like Jesus and less like the world. Because we still have that fleshly life battling within us. And so what does it look like to have a heart like Jesus? Five traits I want us to see from this passage. The first thing is this. If I'm going to have a heart like Jesus, the first thing I need to do is I need to notice the people around me. Notice the people around you. Look at verse 36 again. As Jesus says, he had been through all the villages... But look at verse 36, it said, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds. In other words, he actually saw who was around him. He saw, I mean, in a, in a mob where Jesus was experiencing because people were coming to him, wanting to be healed, wanting to be uh, demons to be cast out, seeing all the things that he had already done. And so you had these great numbers of people that were gathering around Jesus, wanting to see him. But Jesus didn't just see the crowd as a whole. He saw individuals. He saw the people within the crowds. What about us today? 
How often are we living our life? We're hustling through this life. We're bustling through this life. We've got hundreds of things on our agenda. We've got our uh, smartphones, and we're looking at our smartphones because we can't hardly put them down for two seconds. And as we're doing that, we're missing the people that we come in contact with. How often do you find yourself, you've run through your office, or you've run through the halls of your school, or you've been through the store, and you've not even noticed anybody that was in your path. You see, more and more today, we're looking for opportunities to see people less, right? We're becoming a much more isolated society. Uh, many of us probably have garages that you drive into when you get home and you close the garage because I really don't want to see my neighbors. Now, used to, we'd sit out on the front porch. And, uh, and as you, some of you that are maybe senior adults today, you did that uh, much more because we were designed to do that. Sitting out on the front porch, neighbors coming by, talking, getting to know people. I would be willing to bet that there's a great number of you today who might not even know your neighbors. And if you know them, maybe you don't know them well. Why? Because we don't notice people around us. Most so often we get caught up in what we're doing. We get caught up in our schedule. We get caught up in all the busyness of this life. And we never see the people around us. Even in church. We may see people, but do we really see them? You know, something we like to say, our, our standard welcome, greeting. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Fine. Good. How are you? Fine. Okay, let's keep walking. Don't stop. Here's the reality of that. Can we be honest? We're in church now, right? So can y'all be honest with me today? If you were to be honest, you probably don't really not want to know how that person's doing, and they really don't want to tell you how they're doing, and they don't really want to know how you're doing because we're too busy for all that. We get caught up in ourselves. We get caught up in our schedule and what we're doing. And so we just run by missing people. We may see them with our eyes, but we don't slow down enough to really notice who they are and what's going on in their life. If we're going to have a heart like Jesus, one of the things that must be true about us is that we begin to notice the people around us. You see, Jesus, we, our program, our society... More and more programs us not to see, not to take time. But Jesus was willing to look deeply and really see the people that were around him. And so first thing we want to do, if we want to have a heart like Jesus, is we want to notice the people around us. The second thing is, we want to take time to see them in their true condition. We want to take time to see them in their true condition. Jesus didn't just see and notice the people around him, although that was a big deal. Even greater, he saw their true condition. Look at verse 36 again. It says, when he saw the crowds, and notice how he describes them. They were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I don't know if you know anything about sheep without a shepherd, but that's a pretty pitiful state to be in. Sheep can't do anything on their own. They have to have a shepherd to lead them to water. We just sang about it in Psalm 23. They lead me to steal water. Sheep can't even drink water out of a running stream. They've got a place to find where it's still. They'll walk off a cliff if you let them. I mean, they'll just walk right off. Sheep are dumb. I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but when the Bible talks about us as sheep, what he's trying to help us understand is we need a shepherd. We've got to have somebody to guide us. You can't take care of yourself. You can't figure out this life by yourself. You can't do it on your own. You are sheep. And when Jesus saw the crowd around him, 
He said they were harassed. They were helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus was willing to take the time to not only see them, but to see beyond the surface and to see their real need and to see the hurt and to see the heartache and to see the pain that they were experiencing. You see, Jesus desires that his children would do the same thing for the people in our life. Folks, I want you to understand. There are people all around you that are harassed and helpless. They're going through difficult times. They're going through struggles. They're hurting. They're in need. And they need somebody who will look beyond the surface. Somebody who will slow down long enough to see them. But not only to see them, but to see them in their hurt. And see them in their heart. They cannot turn away from them, but to lean into them and to their life. See, as believers, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be those people who lean into those difficult situations and say, man, I know you're hurting. I know you're in need. I know you're in distress. What can I do? I'm going to be here, and I'm going to walk with you through these times. I'm going to minister to you through these times. So often, we want to run away from those situations. We see people so often from a surface level. They say, Lord, I see them, they're rich, and they have a lot of good stuff, and they've got things, and man, they've got it going on. They're the president of the company. I want to snuggle up beside that guy, because if I get close to him, he can probably help me in some way. But we look at the poor and the downtrodden, the people who don't look like us, the people who maybe don't have as much as we do, and man, I don't have time for them. I don't have reason to mess with them, because they can't help me. All they're going to do is pull on me. All they're going to do is drag me down. See, when I'm looking from a surface level, that's the way I look at it. But here's what Jesus wants for us. Jesus says, listen, I want you to see them in their real need. Because, listen, the rich guy that seems to have it all together, if he's without Jesus, he is helpless and hopeless, distressed like a sheep without a shepherd. That poor person that you run by and you don't want to look at when you get to the red light and somebody's there holding a sign... And your prayer life is getting better because you're like, Lord, please let this light turn green. Please let this light turn green. That person may be the very person God wants you to lean into. Because they're harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. You see, it takes time to see people in their true condition. It takes me to notice them, but then it takes me to slow down. Time to slow down and invest in that person and say, listen, I know you're in need. I know you're hurting. Let me encourage you. Let me strengthen you. By the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of God working through me, I want to minister. I want to help you. I want to love you. I want to show you the love of Christ. I want to love you the way Christ has loved me. And I want you to know the love of Christ as I've known the love of Christ. And so we've got to be willing to see people the way Christ sees them, to see their deeper needs. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 16, the Apostle Paul said, Listen, the love of Christ has so consumed us, and we don't see anybody according to the flesh anymore in verse 16. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? He said, We don't see anybody according to the flesh. Well, how did he see them? He was seeing them like Jesus did. He was looking beyond the surface. He was looking into their heart. And he wanted to help them to know Jesus, but not only to know him, but to experience his love and his work and his plan in their life. Because Jesus is the only one that can give us direction and hope. To take us from a place of being helpless and hopeless to a place of hope and blessing, which he desires for us. So if I'm going to have a heart like Jesus, I've also not only got to see people, but... 
take time to see them in their true condition. The third thing I want you to see from this passage, though, is you see people in their true condition. And what should happen is what happened to Jesus. We should have compassion and let our heart be broken over the condition they're in. We should have compassion and let our heart be broken. Look at what Jesus says. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He identified with them in their pain. His heart was broken for them. It brought heartache to him to see the hurt and the pain that these people were experiencing. You see, when I begin to see people in their true condition, one of the results of that should be, if my heart is going to be like Jesus, is that I should have a heart of compassion for them, that my heart should be broken over the state that they find themselves in, the condition of their heart at that moment. See, Jesus was broken for the hurting, the helpless, the sheep without a shepherd. What about you today? Is your heart breaking over those that are around you that you see and see the hurt and the heartache in our world, to see the pain that people are experiencing? Does my heart bleed with compassion for them? Do I love them and do I weep over their condition sometimes? When is the last time? When is the last time the Lord so put somebody on my heart that I was broken to the point of weeping over their condition and saying, Lord Jesus, help this person. Lord, not only help them, but let me be an instrument to help them that you use. Have we had that type of compassion in our hearts and lives? Listen, what about in church? I go around to a lot of churches. I hear a lot of stories. I want you to understand that some of the meanest people in the world are in the church. I say that honestly. Some of the meanest people you ever come in contact with are people you interact with in the church. Listen, folks, that should not be so. Should not be so ever. No matter what somebody's done to your church you think it is, no matter what somebody has done that you don't agree with, we should never not have the love of Christ, never not have compassion. Man, our hearts should be so tender and broken. And we say, Lord, we want to see your work accomplished. Man, the Lord is not going to work if our hearts are hardened. I'm not going to hear the Lord. I'm not going to know where to give my time. I'm not going to know where to pour my life unless I have a heart of tenderness and compassion that sees the brokenness and heart and heartache around me and says, Lord, I want to be a part of meeting that need. It's not about me just showing up at church on Sunday. It's not just about me going through the motions. But, Lord, it's about life change and me being an instrument of life change in the lives of others. We've made Christianity in America, for the most part, far too easy. Hey, just show up at church on Sunday, go to Sunday school class, come back when the doors are open, do a little service, give, of course, tithe, make sure you're doing that, and then you're golden. And kind of go do your thing, whatever you're doing in life, your job, your extracurricular activities, all the extra stuff, and then just come back to church next Sunday. Brothers and sisters, that's not the life Jesus has called us to. He's called us to a life of ministry, a life of giving our life away, saying, Lord, I die daily so that you can use me to bring life to others. And Lord, I want to have a heart of compassion a heart of brokenness. Lord, who is moving my heart? Lord, who have I prayed for recently because I've been so overwhelmed about their condition and so brokenhearted? 
for what they're going through. You see, the only way that I can truly serve someone who is helpless and hopeless like a sheep without a shepherd is when I have a heart of compassion that is broken for that person. And I realize by God's grace, he's brought me through a situation, maybe similar, and I want to give myself to blessing them in that. The heart of compassion. The church of Jesus Christ, for too long we've been far too dry-eyed in our midst. There should be more tears. A brokenness for the condition of the lost around us. For the condition of the hurting around us. For the condition of the hopeless around us. It's compassion. So we should have compassion and let our hearts be broken as we see people in their true condition. Because God wants to use that in us to minister to them. God is, you, wants to use us as his instruments to heal the brokenhearted. Minister to those that are hurting. So we have compassion to let our heart be broken. The fourth thing I want you to see is that we should have a brokenness that leads to urgency. A brokenness, as we have that brokenness in our heart, it should lead to urgency in our life. Look at verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I don't know if any of you have a garden or a farm or anything of that nature. Many of you may have a garden. My dad had a garden when I was growing up. I loved it on one side of it, that when the, the crops came in and we got to cook them and eat them, they were great. It was wonderful. I hated it on the other side because when the crops were ready to come in, the crops were ready to come in, right? And so there were many July 4ths when I'm thinking, man, holiday, picnic, let's go to the lake, let's have a good time. I was picking corn, right? Because <laughs> you know what? The corn was in on July 4th. You don't decide when the harvest is ready, but when the harvest is ready, you better get after it, right? Because if I don't get after it, what's going to happen? It's going to die on the vine. When Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, he was saying, listen, there's an urgency to the day. There's an urgency to the time. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are hopeless. There are people that are lost all around you, and they are ready for harvest, but as his people, there must be an urgency to get out into the field, to get out into the harvest and say, Lord, use me to help those people come into the kingdom, to be harvested souls that can be harvested for the kingdom of God. Lord, use me. There should be an urgency, a brokenness that leads to urgency. Lord, I want to do all I can with the time that I have on this earth to see people come to know you, to help minister to the hurting. Lord, to love the brokenhearted. God, I don't want to waste any time, any opportunity. Lord, I want to be urgent in the harvest field because the harvest is plentiful. Again, I see so many churches. I'm in churches every week, different churches. If you look across the Georgia Baptist Convention, my heart breaks many times when I look and I see church after church after church after church that's baptizing zero people a year. I see church after church that is falling so far short of what really they have the capability of doing, of reaching lost, and it's because we're not mobilized. There's no 
urgency and the mission of going out into the harvest field and saying, Lord, I know the harvest is ripe, but I've got to get out there now. Because I don't want my friend, I don't want my coworker, I don't want my neighbor to be one that is lost, that dies on the vine. Lord, help me to be urgent in how I live. Because I want to have a heart like you. Lord, I want to live with an urgency so that people could see Christ in me. Lord, I want to live with this urgency so that I can be about your business. Because when we stand before the Lord, he's not going to be care about how much money you made. He's not going to care how much stuff you have. He's not going to worry about how many followers you had on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But he wants to know, what did you do with the blessing I gave you? What did you do to reach others for Christ? You see, we need to have an urgency. A brokenness that leads to urgency. Lord, I want to live with an urgency day in and day out. Lord, to have a heart like Jesus is have a burden that leads me every day to say, Lord, how do you want to use me today? Lord, what do you want to do to work through me today? God, I want to live with urgency for the kingdom of God. So we should let our brokenness lead to urgency. And then finally, the last thing I want you to see is that we should have this urgency. And that urgency should compel others in our life. I should be a witness to others because of the urgency that I live with. There should be an urgency in me that compels others to want to live with that same urgency. Look at what Jesus says in verse 38. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Sometimes we want to resign ourselves to the fact, well, I'll just pray for workers to go out in the harvest. I won't be one. (laughs) I'll just pray. Jesus said pray for workers to go out in the harvest field. He did say pray, but you know what? It has this idea of as I go, as I'm going into the harvest field, man, I want to bring as many people as possible with me into that harvest field. I can't just sit on the sideline and pray. Man, as I'm going, I'm praying out because as I go out into the field, I see the urgency of the need. As I go out into the field, more and more I see the need, and I want others to come with me because I can't do it myself. There's not one person in this room that can reach all of LaGrange for themselves. But as an army of believers, as we go out into the harvest field, God could change this city for Christ. If we had a heart for Jesus. And so, yeah, pray for more workers. And the need becomes more urgent. It becomes more real because I see it as I'm out in the harvest field. And it gives me an urgency to pray, Lord, get more people out here. And as I testify and as I share and as I pray, I'm rallying others to be a part of the harvest work. That's our calling. To have a heart like Jesus. It's a heart that all believers, if you're a believer today, it's a heart that he wants to develop in you. A heart that sees people. It really sees people. A heart that sees people in their true condition. A heart that leads, uh, that is, is, has a heart for compassion and is broken. A brokenness that leads to co- an urgency. And an urgency that compels others to come. That's the heart that Jesus wants us to have in this world. You might say, what does having a heart like Jesus, what difference does it make? I mentioned before the godly life that my mom lived on this earth. As we celebrate Mother's Day today, I want you to understand that my mom had a heart like Jesus. 
she truly saw others around her, that was her mission, that was her life. She wanted, when she saw a hurt, when she saw a need, she was attracted, she was drawn to it. She took time to spend with people and get to know them and know what was going on in their heart, to know their heart. I can't tell you how many women would come into my mom's home and they would sit out on the glassed-in front porch and they would talk about their marriage or talk about their heartache or talk about their brokenness. And my mom would spend hours upon hours pouring into them truth, pouring into them the gospel, pouring into them life. Why? Because she had a heart like Jesus. And I could never fully calculate the impact on so many people, so many women, so many lives that she impacted because of her willingness to have a heart like Jesus. But here's what I do know. One thing I know for sure. I wouldn't be right here where I am today without the influence that my mom had on me. I wouldn't be an evangelism consultant. I wouldn't have been a pastor for 16 years. I wouldn't have been in ministry. I wouldn't have lived my life for Jesus Christ if it wouldn't have been for the influence of a mom who had a heart like Jesus. So what difference does it make to live with a heart like Jesus? I'm one example of a difference that it can make. There's thousands of other examples from one person who had a heart like Jesus. And so... What about you? What difference could you make if you had a heart like Jesus? Three things real quick that you can tell you. One, when you have a heart like Jesus, you're able to be a part of God's kingdom work. That's the greatest joy we have as believers, to be a part of his kingdom work. Not only that, but we experience our greatest contentment as we fulfill the call that he's placed on our life. And then finally, we leave an impact that, we leave a legacy that impacts others. See, we're called as believers to live for more than this life. When I live with a heart for Jesus, a heart like Jesus, I'm going to leave a legacy that others follow behind. So as I close this morning, let me ask you this question. Would you say that you have a heart like Jesus this morning? Now listen, I'm not asking if you've been saved, okay? I'm sure many of you today that are here in this place, you've been to church, you committed i mean you come to the 845 service so man you must be committed right i mean you're a part of this community i understand that so i'm not asking if you're saved today all right that's a different question but for those of you who are saved today i want to ask you this are you living with a heart like jesus this morning because here's a reality even when we come to christ there is still a flesh that is waging war in us and there is still a battle that is taking place and if we're not careful then we can still have a heart for the world even though we've had an experience of knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so I'm asking you the question today, are you living with a heart like Jesus? Do you have a heart like Jesus? Is that being developed in your life? And is that being lived out day in and day out in your life? Are you seeing people? First, man, I just see people around. I notice the people that God brings into my life. By taking the time to lean into people and, and get to know where their heart is and what's going on in their life. And is there a compassion and brokenness over their condition? Am I an urgency to want to say, Lord, i got to get out in the field. Lord, give me an urgency. Is my urgency compelling others to come? Do you have a heart like Jesus this morning? You see, all of us have to answer that question. That's what God called me here for today is to ask you that question. Do you have a heart like Jesus today? And if not, what's keeping you from living with a heart like Jesus? Could be worldliness, selfishness, 
pursuing other things, tired, worn out, whatever. But here's the reality. Today could be the day of change for you. Today could be the start of God changing your heart and beginning to develop in you a heart like Jesus. It's not going to happen in a snap of the fingers. It's going to happen because at first I start with this. I repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for not having a heart like you. I'm sorry for not allowing you to develop that heart in me. And God, I want that to change. And today, I'm beginning today and saying, Lord, I want you to begin now to begin to develop that heart like you have in my heart today. And I want you to change the way I live my life. I want you to change how I do things. Lord, I want you to change the things that are important to me because I want my heart to look like your heart. Would that be your desire this morning in just a minute? You're going to have a chance to respond. I'm going to invite you to come. This altar is going to be open. I don't know if you've ever come to the altar in your life. I know many of you have, but some of you say, well, I've never been up there before in my life. Listen, good day to be the start. I just want you to come and call out to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be different. Lord, I've been living for myself. I don't want to do that anymore. Lord, I want to live fully for you. And I want to have a heart like you. And I'm going to invite you to come in just a moment. There are people here today that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Some of you know that. You're sitting in here and you say, well, I don't know Jesus. I want you to know something. Jesus loves you more than you could possibly imagine. In fact, he came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He rose again on the third day, and he wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to give you new life, abundant life, and he wants to develop in you a heart like his so that you can find true fulfillment in this world and a life in eternity spent with him. But to do that, you've got to come to him in faith and repentance and brokenness. Say, Lord, I need you. I can't save myself, and I want to be saved today. You may be here today and know that you're not saved. Today could be the day of salvation, and I want to invite you to come. You may be here today thinking you were saved, but you've realized because of the Holy Spirit tapping your heart today that, man, maybe I'm not. I've been in church a long time, but I've never experienced a work of Christ. But today, all that could change. So what about you today? Do you want a heart like Jesus? I'm going to ask our musicians to begin to come. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me right now if you would. Nobody's looking around. We've just got a few minutes more and we're going to close. But let's just for this moment focus in. Just you and the Lord. What is the Spirit of God saying to you this morning? What is the Spirit of God wanting to do in your life right now? You say, well, Pastor, do I have to come down to have that difference happen? No, not necessarily. But my old pastor of mine said this. He said, there's something about a... Physical expression to an inward impression that makes a difference. And I believe that. And so we want to open this altar. There's going to be ministers down front to pray with you if you'd like that. We want to allow the Lord of God to change our hearts, to begin to give us a heart like Jesus. Man, come today. Don't tarry. If you're here today and don't know Jesus, you're lost. You come, and we want to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray, and we're going to stand. And as we stand, they're going to sing. As they sing, you come. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. As the Spirit of God moves in your heart, you come. Lord, we come before you today humbly, believing that you're working in this place. So God, move on our hearts and help us to have the courage, the strength to respond according to your will today. Lord, for every person that's a believer here today but doesn't, isn't living with a heart like you, God, I pray that today would begin the begin, be the start of a change. That you would begin to give them that heart like you. For those that are lost today, Lord, let them come in repentance and brokenness and be saved today. That they could experience you in power. So have your way in this moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I'm going to ask everybody to stand all across the building. Everybody stand. You're bowed heads. You're talking to the Lord. And as he leads you, 
As we sing, you come right now in response to his voice.